freaking auto! This, this is Brock and Salk. Brock Ewart is my hero. Jay Buter just punched me in the kidney. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. On Seattle Sports. We're going to do you a minute. It doesn't really work that way, Sherm. This is a show that has my name on it. It kind of does. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen in Ballard. Now here are your hosts, Brock Ewart and Mike Salk. Hello! All right, final hour of this show for today, a Wednesday. It is brought to you by 3010 Weight Loss for Life. Mora's uh, tricked me into a uh, kind of standard ranking today, so we'll see how that goes down. What? Coming up at 9.45 this morning. Yeah, you used your trickery. It's fine. I understand. No, no it's, it's cool. Trickery. So I tried it's to, kind of the long con. I tried to actually participate yesterday because I felt bad and like people didn't like it. Yeah, it wasn't good. It's a long con. I, you, you clearly sabotaged yesterday to try to convince me to do it a different way today. It's fine. I understand. Maybe. I'm on to you. It's fine. I, I got you kind of figured out at this point. Uh, Justin is out today. Matt Nelson is in, good friend of ours, uh, who's been at the station forever, basically, at this point. Were you here at the very beginning? You're not here from day one, right? I've always been here. since. Yeah, like <laughs> even before the station existed. Like The Shining. There, just, I've always existed. In the beginning, in the there was Matt Nelson. Uh, and Matt is uh, not a huge uh, sports fan, which is great. I love that he's worked here for all these years, despite not being a big sports fan. Wow, so I'm excited. As we play a little buy-sell with the Mariners, we might force Matt to answer a couple of these questions. <laughs> All right, so this is a, a buy sell that's kind of all predicting the future for the Mariners okay. this year. All right, first up, uh, will Eugenio Suarez lead the team in strikeouts again by herself? Mm, bye. Yeah, I think Eugenio strikes at a lot. I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. And presuming his health, I think he would be there. In terms of strikeout rate, I sure like to see Kelnick's come down a little bit, but if I had to bet on strikeout rate, I think the smart money would still be on Jared Kelnick. But overall, do I buy it? Yes, I buy that he will lead the team in strikeouts this year. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> Sorry. All I right. wish I didn't. How about uh how about the big dumper? Cal Raleigh leading the team in home runs this year. Cal Raleigh leads the team in home runs this year. Matt Nelson, what do you think? Are you buying or selling that? Based on nickname alone, I sell. <laughs> Terrible nickname. I hate oh, it every time on. I hear it. Oh, really? Stop it. You don't Get like the big nickname. dumper? No, I hate it. Hmm, that's too bad. All right, Matt's selling. Uh, I'm selling as well, not because of the nickname, but I don't think he leads the team in home runs. Uh, I, I think it's hard for a catcher to lead a team in home runs in general, right? I think you're going to see... I think you're going to see Tom Murphy play a little bit. I think you're going to see Cooper Hummel at some point. Like I, 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 he's coming off a thumb injury. Who was it who was telling us the other day that we may want to be a little uh, cautious about his thumb and pay a little bit more attention to how many at bats he gets, et cetera. Gosh, who was telling me that? I don't have to think through that a little bit, but I'm excited for Cal Raleigh. I think that he will not lead the team in home runs. I think that's going to go to Teoscar Hernandez. All right. Well, let's go with another new gentleman to the team. Mm-hmm. Colton Wong wins a gold glove by herself. Oh, man. At second base, at his age, I think I got to sell that. I, that's not to say his defense. In the back row. Thank you. Yeah, sell that. Uh, I, I'm not saying that his defense is going to be bad. I think it may even improve from where it was a year ago. And I think he's a good pickup partially for that reason. But winning a gold glove... 
First of all, it takes a lot to come together to win a gold glove in your 30s, even more challenging. Plus, as stupid as it is, you've got to hit well and you've got to like get noticed. All of those things are challenging here in Seattle. I don't see it happening for Colton Wong, but that's not to say I'm down on what he's capable of doing this season. Well, he's won two, and he's got Perry Hill on his side now, so hard I'm going to buy it. Hard to do it in your 30s. Hard, hard to come back and do it in a new league in your 30s. Probably. It'd be great. I'm By the way, I would love that. <laughs> All right, let's see. Someone other than Julio leads the team in stolen bases. Mm, I'm going to buy that. I'm going to buy that someone... Did he lead the team in stolen bases last year? Yes, he did. He had 25. Dylan Moore was the next closest with 21. Other than that, it was in the teens. Yeah, I think Dylan Moore plays more this year than he did last year. And I also think Julio runs less than he did a year ago. So, And and we'll see where Sam Haggerty is on this list. I mean, I think they would really like to use him late in games to steal bags when, when appropriate. I just think the, the the ability of those guys to steal will go up and the willingness of the Mariners to let Julio run will go down. So even though he will be even more capable of stealing bags with, you know, the extra couple inches and the change in the pickoff rules, I think just he's too important. Just the, the wear and tear on his body, I think will start to drop that number and no reason it wouldn't start this year. It started at the end of last year. He did not run nearly as much in the second half of the year as he did in the first. As Julio hits for more power, I think you're going to see him run less than he did. I'm with you, um, but I did hear Service say the other day that a lot of him not running much at the end of last year was to do with injuries, and they almost sounded like they were okay with the fact that he wants to run more, which I could see with some of the new rules where that's advantageous, but I it worries me. <laughs> Every time you slide head first into second base, you're taking well, a risk. that's the other thing. Let's, let's teach him to slide feet first if he's going to be doing that. Every time you slide feet first, you're not quite as fast as when you slide head first. He terrified me last year with yeah already having a wrist issue. Keep and those sliding. wrists, fingers, yeah. thumbs, hands. They're all in the way when you slide head first into second base. <laughs> the ball, the glove, the cleats. Well, that's everything's how showing up at once. Initially injured it, right? And oh. then the home run derby made it worse. I he took a pitch off the other yep. one. I don't care for it. Yeah, I would like to see Dylan Moore lead this team in stolen bases. Okay. George Kirby will have the lowest ERA in the starting rotation. Mm, tough question. Very tough. <laughs> now I got to go with my guy, Luis. Sorry, I'm selling it. I'm selling it. Very tough question. I think he will be second on the team Ooh. in ERA. I think Logan, you know, is a great pitcher, and he may end up having a dominant kind of year, but specifically in ERA, I think Kirby keeps those runs to a minimum, and I kind of like his ability to do that uh, in year two. So Kirby's the only guy I think could threaten that in the starting rotation, but I'm just so sold on Luis Castillo. I may be wrong about this one. I don't know that I feel that confident in my answer, but I'm going with my guy. All right. I like it. Uh, What about... What about your guy winning a Cy Young, Luis Castillo? Bye. <laughs> bye, bye, bye. Bye. Give me some, give me some in sync. Bye, bye, bye. Yeah, no, I told you this last year, and, and I'm going to keep going. It's not just my opinion. The mo- you know, a couple weeks after he got here, Mitch Haniger told me straight up that guy's going to win a Cy Young award here next year. With the defense that the Mariners play, the ballpark that they play in, and his kind of stuff, he is perfectly capable of it. And I'll trust Mitch. So I'm buying it, not because of my own necessarily, not because of my view, but because of his. So I'm all in. All right, let's see if I have that it? one last one in here. I think, um, oh, I didn't get to this one. Teoscar Hernandez is the RBI leader. Yes. Uh, ooh. 
I'm either Teoscar or Suarez. Let me go back and forth on this. So last year, Teoscar had 77. Mm-hmm. Um, a. Eugenio had 87. But Teoscar had 44 fewer at-bats. I'll sell it. I'm going to stay with Eugenio. I'm going to stay. Yeah. I'm going to stay with Eugenio Suarez as their RBI king. I love both of these guys and their ability to drive in runs. I just think that you're going to see more Suarez this year than you will Tay Oscar. So I don't know. I kind of go back and forth. I think I got Tay Oscar leading the team in home runs, Suarez leading them in RBI. In all honesty, those two things could completely swap, and I don't think anybody would be surprised. But if I'm forced to take a side, that's where I'll go right now. Good stuff. Thank Matt, you. who do you think leads the team in home runs next year? Uh, Kyle Seeger. Seems, <laughs> seems unlikely. I mean, it's not impossible. Seems unlikely. He's not on the team at the moment. Wait, what? <laughs> great. Uh, text message is coming in fast and furious. If JP could get on base more, he could be the leading base dealer. Uh, no. JP's not a good base dealer. JP's not very fast. He runs weird. Not not a base dealer at all. Seriously. Not his thing. Uh, 509 saying that's baby making music. Is it? You like this? You like this vibe? The Junior Mafia? Yeah. It's a good vibe. Yeah. 425 says I had a dream Mora told Mike off on air and it was epic. Mm. Shows you I listened to the show way too much. I mean, that's definitely true, but <laughs> that does sound like a reality-based dream. I mean, like, that very well could have happened. Maybe it wasn't a dream. Maybe Mora really did tell me off and you just sort of had a... ESP-style premonition about it. All right, we'll be right back. Give you everything you need to know. we got rank coming up later this hour as well. It's Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710 and the Seattle Sports app. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. So great to have the Mariners working out yesterday. It sounds like the weather is not spectacular today with rain and 40 to 50 mile an hour gusts of wind. So we'll see what they're able to get done. But you get 75 different players there. The biggest camp they have had during Scott and Jerry's tenure here. It makes sense with WBC action and a team that obviously has designs on the playoffs again and beyond. I recommend Shannon Dreyer's story today. It's CLSports.com. And some of the quotes in there from J.P. Crawford and others saying, look, last year was great, but it didn't end the way we wanted it to. We're not satisfied. Nobody's resting on their laurels. It left a bad taste in our mouth. Yeah, we're excited about the way the regular season ended, and there were some great moments in there, but they want to try to go out and improve on that, and I think that's what drove J.P. Crawford to go to driveline this offseason and work on his body and on his bat. It's what drove Marco Gonzalez to, as Shannon told us, lose 15 pounds this offseason. It's what I think should take a good team last year and make it even better, especially when you consider all of the uh, people that are back and 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 some of the familiarity with each other i think they've got a lot to build on so i'm very confident in this team this year so is tom verducci who joined us yesterday i am i i like the way they play baseball i like the fact that they're a little more balanced this year um offensively you know that you always have to like their pitching right i think they're sort of like the rays they figured out a way to pitch where they love um guys who throw from extreme arm angles uh, especially the lower angle, pitching high in the zone. They spin the ball really well. So I don't worry about them pitching. The rotation is just rock solid, as good as, as whatever is out there. Um, I thought they were short offensively last year. It's amazing they won 90, but uh, again, they found a way to win a lot of these close games. So to have a little bit more margin of error to push that number above 90 
it's going to take a, a much better offense. Like I'm not talking about a three or four, you know, uh, best in the league type offense, but a little better than middle of the pack offense. I think they have that this year. Well, they, they, if they do, I think they're going to be pretty darn good because I think that debate about Kirby versus Gilbert, Kirby versus Castillo, et cetera, I think this pitching staff is going to be something very special. Here's the second thing you need to know. Seahawks started making a couple deals yesterday. A few reports. One says they signed guard Phil Haynes to a one-year deal worth $4 million, another million in incentives. That would likely spell the end for veteran Gabe Jackson, who could save them, what, another $6 million or so if he would be cut. Uh, the two rotated last year at guard. We spoke to Michael Bumpus about it, and he said essentially he likes it, and for good reason, essentially pointing out that this is more of a security move and you can now go ahead and if you're trying to upgrade at that position somewhere else you could do that either in the draft or through free agency they also re-up with special teams ace Nick Belor. I like that as well just because he brings so much versatility backs you up at fullback at linebacker etc and he's a leader he's a captain no downside to a deal like that Here's the third thing you need to know. Uh, We're going through mock drafts this time of year, two months or so before the draft. And uh, doozy yesterday. How about this? Daniel Jeremiah shows Will Anderson Jr. to the Seahawks at number five. In his version, the Cardinals fall in love with Tyree Wilson, and they take him at number three, which opens things up for the Seahawks at number five. That would be awesome, obviously. I mean, a guy who's the consensus one or two top most talented guy in the draft. He plays a premium position at defensive end, and it's a position that you really, really need. That sounds pretty darn impressive to me. Uh, He also had them taking Jackson Smith and Jigba at number 20, uh, which would echo what Matt Miller from ESPN had as well. Uh, Do I like that? No, and it's not because I don't like the player. I really like Jackson Smith and Jigba, and I would like to see them add to their depth and, and add a third wide receiver, but with the number 20 pick, but the way this defense has been, I told Mora to punch me in the face if at any point I said they should go take something else at you the number did. 20 You did. Let spot. that be on the record. It is there, and I, I thank you for holding me accountable. I won't get in trouble with HR. No, I would not like to see them take Jackson Smith and Jigba <laughs> in that spot, even though I like him a lot. Now, second round, I'd be intrigued there, and I'd also be intrigued with uh, what Matt Miller told us yesterday about quarterback Hendon Hooker from Tennessee. I look at what he did at Tennessee the last two years, and he is a fantastic deep ball thrower. He moves very well in the pocket. He's, he does not turn the ball over. He threw 58 touchdowns to five interceptions. And in a vertical tempo offense, that's not like being, you know, throwing check downs and screens. That is attacking down the field. And, you know, he did it with, you know, his number one receiver, Cedric Tillman, goes down. Well, boop, here comes Jalen Hyatt. And then there's Bruce McCoy. And, like, he, he spread the ball around so well. But I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, he might be he might be 26 years old when it happens, but I wouldn't be surprised if Hendon Hooker starts in the NFL. The beginning of that cut, man, each time I hear it, it does sound like Pete Carroll kind of football. Chuck it deep, don't turn the ball over, move around in the pocket. Sounds pretty intriguing to me. Second or third round, yeah, I would like to see them grab a quarterback there. All right, there you go. That is... Everything you need to know, and we do that quarter past every hour. Look, of those first four picks, I think three of them probably need to go to your front seven on defense. That That's my gut. Now, I don't know. We'll see what happens, how you trade around, what you get. Do you move back, move up, et cetera? But you've got four picks in the first two rounds. I think three of them probably need to go to your front seven. I think that's just sort of the situation you're in. And, you know, would I like to see a wide receiver? Sure. for With one of those picks. 
Would I like to see a, a, a quarterback? Yeah. With one of those picks. Be really hard for me to say that half of your first four picks can go to the offense. I mean, look, maybe if one of them is an interior offensive lineman, right? And then I think you can at least say it's a, it's a, you know, it's a size, it's a, it's, it's a committing to the trenches, et cetera. I guess if you were to take with your first four picks, two defensive front seven guys, one center or guard, let's call it a center in this case, and then some sort of a skill position guy, I'd be okay with that. That sounds right. I could, I could, I could deal with that. But quarterback, wide receiver, defense, defense, that'd be probably a little too much offense for me. And, and I just, I, I, I'm ex- not that I don't think they need it. They need a center, right? They could use another wide receiver. And maybe, they'll, maybe that's a third-round pick, maybe a fifth-round pick. But the defense is, that's the ball game right now. That's the ball game. Now, I will say this. Maura, you pointed this out. Um, who was this from ESPN yesterday? I have this here. Uh, Matt Bowen. Matt Bowen. Thank you. He wrote up the best fits for top NFL f- uh, free agents. And has Gino on that list. He has him staying in Seattle. Not a shock. Everybody does. Um, but the other one he added on here, he did have the Seahawks as the best fit for Hargrave, the uh, defensive tackle from Philadelphia, right? Who had, if I'm not mistaken, 11, 11 and a half sacks last year as an interior defensive lineman, right? Started in Pittsburgh, 11 right? sacks, 16 quarterback hits. That's a, that's a heck of a year from a guy rushing the passer from inside. We're not talking about an edge guy. We're talking about an interior pass rusher, something the Seahawks have wanted since forever. I mean, they, that's been such a valuable spot for them. Now, if you were to make a move like that, does that open things up for you to go, let's say, defensive end, outside linebacker, whatever, and then go center quarterback, center wide receiver? Yeah, maybe. As long as you're spending some of your capital to make sure, as I said yesterday, the only people on this defensive line that I'm con- like confirmed would need to be back for me next year are Chena Nuosu and Boye Mafe. And I don't know whether Boye is a starter. That, that, I just, sorry, anybody else in your defensive line from last year, maybe you're back if there's room. But I want to see significant upgrades to that position. And if it doesn't happen in the draft, it doesn't happen in free agency, I guess the trade market is the only other way to go. But I, I, you really, that is to me such a priority for this group moving forward that everything else needs to be put on hold because of that. We'll be right back. It's Brock and Salk, Sales Sports on 710salesports.com. You're listening to Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. All right, rolling along here. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710seattlesports.com. We'll do a little ranking coming up in 15 minutes. Uh, tomorrow, Jerry DePoto, of course, will be with us at 8.30. Looking forward to that. And then uh, I'm going to be off Friday heading down to Arizona, and uh, we will be ready to go on Monday. Full scale, all next week from 6 to 10 a.m. from Mariner's Spring Training. Literally can't wait. This is such my favorite time of the year. I just I look forward to spring training. I got to tell you, seeing the snow today, it was sort of like a weird half and half. Like on one hand, I was like, 
that is just incongruous, right? Like starting to think more about baseball season. You're starting to get that sense like, oh, maybe we're going to turn the corner into spring soon. And then you look outside and for the first time in a few months, it's dumping snow this morning. I was like, wait, maybe it's not almost baseball season. What the heck is going on out there? But um, but the other side of it is just like good. Right. Like as 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 the weather is still not quite ready here, you think about Arizona, you think about spring training, you think about beginning to turn that corner and uh, always incredibly meaningful to me. So one of my favorite things to do is to get down there. And yes, I love the weather and I just love this time of year down there. But I love spring training. I love the casual atmosphere. I love being able to talk to the guys before they're stressed out. I love talking to the manager down in spring training because, look. The difference between off-season Scott and regular season Scott, much like it is for all managers, is just different. The, the amount of stress, the amount of pressure that a major league manager is under between, let's call it April 1st and the end of the year, is significantly different than it is in spring training when he's walking around, he's having a good time, there's no big decisions to be made, right? When every day you're being second-guessed for every decision you make, that's a totally different thing. Scott gets to go down there and have fun. Not like you and me. I mean, I don't mean he gets to go down there and go golfing every day and take a vacation. I mean, he gets to do the stuff that he truly loves. Well, he he might feel like it's a vacation because we heard him say yesterday, like, this is the first time I haven't had to come here and answer questions about the drought. This is beautiful. It's a vacation from questions from us in some ways. But I think it's a much smoother start. I think he loves this thing. I think that Scott loves the team meetings and a lot of the way that they behave at spring training is different from what you can do during the regular season. Right During the regular season, they don't meet much. They maybe meet as a team a couple times a year. Right, That's why team meetings are considered to be a big deal. So most coaching, most managing, most of that stuff gets done in small side conversations, right, and a little extra work, calling somebody into the office, etc. Whereas in spring training, one of the great things Scott has brought to the table since showing up here, and remember what a challenge it was at the beginning, are those big team meetings where they're not just talking baseball. They do talk some baseball strategy. They do talk about kind of what they want to do situationally, et cetera. But a lot of it is just the guys getting to know each other. Remember what a big thing that was at the beginning with Felix and Felix didn't really want to participate. And some of the old guys were like, eh, whatever, I want to. They're just being crusty. Right. They didn't really want to be a part of it. They just kind of like now, you know, sort of the, the whole like the anti Pete Carroll thing. Like, yeah, I don't need this. Right. I don't I don't need the rah rah. I've been around this game long enough. And Scott kept at it. Credit to him. He didn't take that as a as, as a deterrent. He kept at it. And over time, either those guys grew to like it because it's fun to get to know your teammates or they're not here anymore. And the next generation accepts it because this is the Mariner way. This is what the Mariners do. And certainly when it leads you to a playoff appearance like last year, it start to, starts to cement those things as being more and more important to what this team is all about. Remember how much time we spent talking about what it means to be a Mariner and the stuff they've done? A, a lot of that work is done at spring training. That's where more you'll see this next week when we go down there, right? When we, when we go inside down the long hallway that goes from the fields past the clubhouse and the trainer's room all the way down, kind of past the the, the uh, cafeteria for them. The players walk by these big murals that were built there specifically to showcase what it means to be a Mariner. 
the mirror there's a mural of all of the all of their Cy Young award winners, all their MVPs. Uh, there's a mural of their Gold Glove award winners. I want to say Silver Sluggers, and then the one that I think is most important between the major league and minor league parts of the clubhouse is the big. It's their little plaques. They're little like I don't know one by two plaques, one inch by two inch plaques that have the names. Uh, I guess they're really nameplates at that point rather than plaques, but they have the little nameplates of every player that was drafted by the Mariners who reached the big leagues with the Mariners. And it's a, it's a testament to their player development, obviously, but it's also a little note to all of those guys that are in the minor league clubhouse next door. Hey, the difference between being here and being up the hallway, these are all the guys who have done it. And if you want to do it, you've got to become what it means to be a Mariner. So I, I, I think all of that is is has been built here over the course of the last eight years that, that Jerry and Scott have been doing their thing or whatever. Is it eight years? Is it really that long? I think I've said that a few times, but now I'm not sure if it's actually right. Could somebody check me on that? I don't think it's actually eight years. How many years have those guys been here now? I'm terrible with those dates and all that stuff. But whatever the time is. Uh, 2016 to now? Is that was their first is? year? So you had 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. This is their eighth year. How about that? That's true. God, we're getting old. This is their eighth year. Unbelievable. But all the work that they've done during that time, it's all led to what you saw last year. And now with the opportunity to build on it, I think that stuff is really, really important. And it's going to be even more important this year. And I'll tell you, of all the guys that left the Mariners this offseason, the one that will be interesting to see how they replace is Carlos Santana. I know that sounds ridiculous, right? I mean, he was an extra bat. He's a, you know, an aging DH. He had a decent year. Certainly he bounced back here and had a couple of big home runs. But I do think they're going to miss some of that leadership. Well, if you listen to the way DePoto and Service talked about him, it doesn't sound ridiculous. No, I I think they're going to miss a little of that. I mean, you know, he was, he showed up here and brought a different element to the team. He brought some fun factor. He's loose. He understands it, right? Remember, we had uh, Tom uh, uh, we, yesterday. We had Tom Verducci on talking about Kelnick, and he and he sort of used the phrase "try too hard." And I put that in air quotes because I don't think he was saying he's a. There's no such thing, and I don't think he was putting him down or anything like that. But I think what he was saying is, when you've got some guys that are that intense, sometimes you got to balance it out with some dudes who are just kind of loose. And it seemed like Santana brought out some of the loose sides of the guys on that team. They had fun. They celebrated after the games. They did all the things that made us kind of fall in love with them and made them fall in love with each other over the course of last year. So if if that's what you learned last year and that guy has now moved on, how do you take that this year and 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 build off of it and maintain it even without one of the ringleaders? How do you change? This is one of the things I want to ask Scott when we're down there next week and have an opportunity to chat with him. How do you build on that, right? How do you take the some of the successes you've had getting to know, you know guys to know each other in these meetings and combine it with some of the fun factor that somebody like uh, Carlos Santana brought to the team last year and make that work without Santana back for another season? They didn't replace that necessarily. Maybe that'll be Colton Wong. Maybe that'll be Teoscar Hernandez. Maybe Julio takes on such a big role as his as he as he grows into it even more so that you don't need that anymore. Well, maybe or maybe they'll go guys, trade for Santana in July again. <laughs> maybe some of those guys feel more comfortable this year. I think as 
a rookie or a younger guy, you feel like you kind of have to earn that, like mm-hmm. that right to maybe be a little more relaxed and fun around the team. Whereas otherwise people are going to be like, I think I remember someone joking that like Logan Gilbert was getting too, too relaxed around them and they were going to oh. have to put him in check like yeah. his first year. <laughs> I don't know if we get more of those Logan Gilbert, Cal Raleigh, uh, trying to read lips things. I'm all in on that. And then but. I think, Suarez is obviously pretty fun. Yeah, so so good. So so let's hope that they're able to to pull some of that together. I do think they're missing some of that leadership. I do think that was an important factor, kind of where they got last year. But you know what? A season is so long, and there's so many comings and goings over the course of it. I mean, we've even talked a couple of times about the importance of Justin Upton last year, who certainly wasn't there when the season began, only was there for a couple of weeks, but by all accounts played a major role in how the team acted and how they handled their own business last year. What did I hear? What was the, I think I remember the line. We've heard this a couple times, but my understanding is that after a loss or whatever, Justin Upton addressed the team. I think Jerry might've even told us this last year and basically said, Hey, you guys are loose in the clubhouse. You guys are loose and have fun together off the field. How are you going to do that on the field? How are you going to do that during the game? How are you going to take that same approach to the game? And it seemed to work because obviously we started to see that more and more. Certainly winning helped going on a 14-game heater. That certainly helps as well. But, you know, some of the veteran presence that they got later in the year from Justin Upton and Carlos Santana certainly seemed to matter. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to talking to Scott about the leadership on this team and and how it shines through this year. Is J.P. Crawford able to take on more of that? Is Eugenio Suarez able to take more of that on? Does it need to come from Julio Rodriguez as their best player? Will we see more from a Cal Raleigh as he grows into it and becomes more comfortable and we see more of his talkative fun side? Maybe. Maybe all of those things go down, but... Yeah, you know, as you as you think about a baseball team, we've spent most of the offseason talking about why didn't they acquire this? Why didn't they acquire that? And and I'm not saying that there's not room for that kind of talk. There is. But the flip side of it is they're intact. They're stable. There's an element of these guys just all being together for another year to build on those relationships, to build on that shared experience. And then as J.P. Crawford told Shannon yesterday, to desire more, to want more than they accomplished last year, which was good but not enough. Well, and having gotten that all-important playoff experience, we heard a lot last year that most of these guys haven't been there. Mm -hmm. Now almost all of them have at least some. And it wasn't like a quick one and done in Toronto. They won those two games. They came back here. They played a home game in Seattle. They lost to the Astros, but but were this close to winning all three of those games. It should burn a little bit. It should be a little painful. You want to hear them saying that. Not that it was devastating and they went into a four-month stupor, but that it hurt. That they weren't satisfied, that it was a great start, but that this year is about even more than that. And I honestly believe this team is going to take that seriously. I do think that there is a sense that the mission is still incomplete. And I, I, I may come back to that phrase again, that the mission is still incomplete. They started it last year. They achieved a portion of it last year. They accomplished quite a bit last year. But your mission was not to break the drought. That was a step along the way. Not a baby step, a big, significant step. But it was just a step. The goal is to win the World Series. 
Maybe it happens in 2023, 24, 25. I don't know when it comes, but that's still the goal. And what you accomplished last year was great. It's not little. It's not small. It's not a baby step along the way. But good for them. Good for them talking about what they need to do, not just what they did, because ultimately their mission is incomplete until they advance even farther to the World Series and eventually win that sucker. Let's do some ranking. Got a list? Time to put it in order. Fred Dwarmfor's house. Top five. Top five meals that I have ever had. This is ranked. To be honest, that list was really biased. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen. Every morning at 945 on Brock and Saw. Yeah, top ten list. I'm not buying that. Ranked. All right, straight ranking today uh, with uh, spring training fully underway and our show getting ready to go down there over the weekend. And we will be ready to go on Monday uh, with shows all week long broadcasting from the Mariners complex. And uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. It may rain a little bit while we're down there late in the week. So we've got to figure out how that works. We won't be able to be out on our little our little sun patio porch area where we normally are. Sorry, Maura. You're bringing the bad luck maybe this year in terms of the weather. What? Yeah. Hey. Why are you blaming everything on me? Have you ever been there before? You're not allowed to do rank the same. Have you come with us before? We've always had good weather. That's not true. I remember a cold year. It actually had a bunch of cold years. In <laughs> fact, one year Brock and I went real early, like mid-February, and it was like raining. It was uh, so windy. We were like holding on to our tent and, and sign as it was going down. Uh, Heather came down that year, and she and I tried to go to the Grand Canyon, and we got snowed out. We we're like, oh, sorry, can't go. Too much snow. Yeah. Yeah. No thanks. So, all right. With that in mind, top five players, top five thing, top five people you were excited to get eyes on when we get down there. Top five things you're excited to get eyes on. Who's on your list? All right, I'm going to start from number five. Okay. My number five person I'm most excited to get eyes on is Per Hill. He's very short. <laughs> I know. Well, I've actually I've seen him. I've paid attention at the games. I just love watching him interact with the players. Um, and, like, he just seems so far removed from any ath- athletic feats or anything. But they, like, they respect him so much. And I love the relationship. I, I'm just so impressed with what he's been able to do for so many of these guys defensively. I'd like to watch some of these drills that they do every day, and I think it'll be Are you going to solicit Perry Hill for some help? Yeah, sure. Why not? Are you bringing a glove with you? No. Do you have a glove? No. Okay. Well, I'm bringing my glove. <laughs> I always bring my glove. I did at one point. I played a rec league softball uh, season once. I think I'd like to see Perry Hill help you with your form a little bit. <laughs> see if we could talk to him about what you could do to really, you know, be better fielding ground balls. You mean my big, tall giraffe awkwardness? All right, maybe at first base. Maybe he's going to stick you over at first. All right, Perry Hill's number five. Number four? Uh, Andres Munoz. Because mm, of the heat? Yeah. You want to see, you see 103? Close. Yeah. You can get Senior close, smoke. too. You know how close you can get. I mean, you can I don't get know within, if I want to get that close. You can get pretty close. <laughs> Trust me, I mean, you can get in there. All right, I want to get a feel for it. Number four, Andres Munoz, because of the heat. Number three? Eugenio. Oh, Suarez. I just he's just fun. What kind of hair does Eugenio have? Yeah, I meant to ask Shannon that last year. He had kind of the skunk hair from the pictures I've seen. It's all one color, but it's pretty long right now. Oh, he's, he's gone I think long. Davis or someone tweeted that there was potential for a man bun. Oh, really? <laughs> what uh, what do you want to talk to uh, him about? What do you want to talk to Eugenio about? I feel like every, everything. 
Like, I, I want to know more about him as a person, too, not just on the field. He just seems fun. I'd like to know a little more about his kids. Yeah. He seems like kind of, you know, he's got the family he thing going. He being a daddy. Yeah. yeah, he's big into that. And maybe we can ask him a little bit about um, his buddy Liver King. Oh, yeah. What's up, Primals? That'll be fun. Yeah. I think we've only heard from Marco about that, but he said it was yeah, Eugenio that's Yeah, it's really an Eugenio thing. Yep. So maybe we'll ask him a little. Uh, I mean, we'll get there's some controversy with the Liver King. I know. What? Because he was on steroids. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Like a lot of them. Nope. I almost cursed on the I think air. He might have been no selling kidding. them too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's number three. Number two. Uh, by the way, we have no of the same people so far. Oh. None of the I same. I was kind of hoping that we would. none so I far. I bet we'll have one. Of All right. Number two. Uh, Matt Brash. Same reason. I guess it's weird that I didn't put any of the starters in here, but just. Uh, I like I like the heat that Brash and Munoz are working with. Yeah, want to see it up close. You want to see the heat. I mean, if he's got possibly one of the best sliders in baseball history, like you said, Depoto was kind of like, eh, yeah, could be yeah. up there. He didn't he didn't shy away. I want to see that. Up All close. right, that's number two. Also, he was one of your favorite interviews last year. I don't know if we're going to get to see him though. You would think he might be like heading over to no Team WBC. Canada. We should still be we should be okay next week. Okay, yeah. Um, I mean, number one's obvious, right? Julio? Yeah. Not on my list. Oh, what? Yeah. We only have one crossover on our list. Wow. This is my guys I'd like to get eyes on because I want to see, like, you know, what's going on with them. So number five for me is Brash as well. And, you know, Justin and I keep talking about our experience last year, but it was just so crazy because the way it works there, they've got, like, three or four mounds all next to each other. I don't know. They're separated by 10 yards apart, maybe. Right with with and, and all the guys throw bullpens in a row. Well, if you stand on if if the guys throwing on either end, you can get fairly close. If they're in the middle, obviously you can't get quite as close to them other than to be kind of behind the pitcher. But when we when Brash was throwing on the end, and Justin and I walked over and stood, I don't know, five ten feet from the catcher, insane, just insane. Justin legitimately buckled from one of the sliders. <laughs> and there was no danger of us being... I mean, I think there was a net between us. But it was just pretty incredible. I'm excited to see Brash again. Number four to me is not a person I cheated. Punches tickets. He punches. Matt Brash punches tickets. Number four for me is not a person. It's the traject machine. I'm cheating a little bit. <laughs> you are very excited about this. I can't wait to see this thing. I've been talking about I'm gonna it nonstop. i have to get some videos for people once you get in there. Yeah, I, I really want to see that thing. And just like the idea that the, I don't even need to stand in it. Just seeing it mimic major league pitching with the with the um, projection of the actual pitcher and his wind up on the front of it. It sounds remarkable. These things cost half a million dollars. I definitely want to see what one looks like up close. So the traject machine is number four for me. Number three, Tay Oscar. He's like the new big shiny tool. When we talked to to Tom Verducci yesterday, what did he point to? Hey, Teoscar Nana is going to make this offense better. He's a big time productive power hitter. Shannon talked about how she wants to hear it get loud with him in the in the uh, batting cage. So yeah, Tay Oscar's on my list. I want to see him in a uniform. We saw him a couple weeks ago before they went down. He's built like a rock. I mean, just I thought he looked rocked up like an NFL safety. Remember the guy that was here a few years ago? Um, uh, Cuban dude, center fielder. I'm blanking on his uh, Heredia, Guillermo Heredia. Remember Guillermo Heredia? Yeah. I think he kind of reminds me a little bit of Heredia, but bigger and stronger. Like he's got that same sort of, maybe almost a little bit like, not quite as athletic looking as uh, the center fielder in Texas. Uh, I'm blanking on his name right now as well. But that dude is is yoked. I guess I only saw him from across the room at the luncheon. I'm going to have to look closer. He's not as big that. as that dude, but he's still pretty good. He's he's big looking dude. So Teoscar would be number three on my list. Number two, 
was talking about him earlier. Marco Gonzalez. Yeah. Marco's my dark horse. He's my big dark horse this year. Pretty into Marco this year. Yeah, and I never really have been before because he was always slotted in at the top of the rotation. And every time it's like, look, I like Marco, but he's not an opening day starter. You like angry Marco. You think he's got something to prove now. I like 15 pounds down Marco. I like cut his hair, clean cut. Let's go out there and try to show the world (laughs) that I'm pissed off about what happened in the playoffs last year, Marco. Yeah, I do. And Robbie Ray, by the way, could be right there in the same category as Marco. I mean, he was the big offseason addition last year. So I probably could have put either of them on here. But I just I'm looking at Marco having a big year. Everybody else is getting a lot of attention. And if I'm him, I'm saying this used to be my starting rotation. I'm still the veteran here. I'm still the guy who's been around. I'm still the bridge to the past. And I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what he's able to accomplish in 2023. Last guy for me, duh, Luis Castillo. Shame on you for not putting him on your list. He's never been in spring right. training for the Mariners before. He throws four pitches. They're all filthy. I see a Luis in person. Pretty excited. I kind of figured that I wasn't even going to be able to get that close because you're going to be taking up all right. the real estate around him. Yes, that may be true. Adolis Garcia, thank you for the 206 for texting that in. Um, he's kind of lumpy. Like, it's going to be interesting. Brock's not going to like Castillo at all. He's going to be like, ah, too lumpy. <laughs> He's not jacked. He's not built. He doesn't look like a big-time athlete. He's lumpy. But he can throw, and I'm pretty excited to see him. All right, we'll be back tomorrow morning. Jerry Depoto will join us from down there at 8.30. Thank you, Matt. It was great to have you in. Great job, as always. Hopefully, the snow has tapered off and everybody can get around okay. We'll catch you guys tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Until then, the hay is in the barn. See everybody. This is the chopper!